0: this is like golf. Golf is the most complex game I've ever played in my life. And I think it's complex in terms of there's so much we don't know, but it's simple in terms of there's such great simple things that we've been talking about during this meeting that make such a start, such a difference that 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 isn't complex. It's It's the complexity is stopping yourself from doing things, you know, maybe in a more traditional way and just where do I start? How do I start? What do I do? Where do you start?
2: Today. welcome back to The Regina Journey. Uh, this week, um, oh hang on, you might hear in my office a few blowflies um, flying around, I'm sorry about that, I made the mistake of opening the door and leaving it open for a bit of air. And of course with the lights on, they're in, uh, even though it is about 9 o'clock in the morning. 9.30, um, anyway, stupid shit, I have, so So, for those who don't know to get rid of blowflies, just turn the lights out, make it darker where you are than somewhere else and I'll, I'll go. This week Peter Challender, who's a uh, a new um farmer member of the Holland Beef uh, team Peter uh is a lovely bloke um we'll get to him in a minute before I do um bang on about Peter and his role or his sort of new 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 part of the um Holland Beef team I did put the call out a few weeks ago <coughs> Excuse me for people who um Had been, I guess, influenced by, inspired by guests of the regenerative journey. And I was just wanted to sort of scope out, um, you know, how that was impacting people's lives uh, generally. And and, and a number of you, quite a few of you actually got in touch and um, let me know what, how it had impacted your lives, your family's lives, your business or whatever. So this one's from uh, Jake Chandler, who, um, lovely bloke. He's, I've sort of known Jake for, I reckon it's three years now and um, I've been watching his and experiencing his transformation over those few years and um, it was lovely to be reminded when I did po- poke him um, the other day and I said, mate, you've got pretty interesting sort of journey you've been on. Um, could you let me know how that feels? Well, what, what might have inspired you and if the, if the podcast did in any way. Anyway, he's got back to me. Um, Here's a few things I've done thanks to your podcast and persistent request for flattery, <laughs> Jake. Uh, Biodynamic workshop, um, he's done that. Uh, no doubt, listened to Hamish MacKay's interview back in season two, I think it was. Natural seconds farming, he's been here for one of our courses with um, with Peter and, and uh, Stuart Andrews. Um, so he's done that. Uh, got Tommy Herschel to Young. I was at that a few months ago. It was fantastic, and uh, there at the the Young Yabbies Rugby Union Club. Um and um great chat with Tommy. Tommy was I think in season two or three, Tommy Herschel. Um drank the best gin ever made by Rose Kentish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rose was probably season five, I think it was. It was down there in South Australia last year. Um started seeing a Naturopath, Stacey Kirchio, um who's who is um uh Terry McCosker's daughter. Um and um, that may have been partly inspired by, by Terry's interview or just general bang on about RCS. Uh, now do regular blood tests, uh, making thoughtful decisions as a consumer uh, and giving a fuck about where my food comes from. Most importantly, has continuously encouraged me to slow down and be conscious of my own life. Case in point, melanoma diagnosis, March 2023. Um, I chose no chemical treatment for stage 3B cancer, post-surgical removal and have clear PET scans so far. That's awesome. However, I did change everything else about my life, including diet, sobriety, counselling, and sought of alternative advice. I took control and didn't accept mainstream advice. That was one year of monthly, which was one year of monthly immunotherapy injections. Mate, that's great. I'm I'm so thrilled that you have been inspired by and and you know put into action a lot of those things on the on the back of um, those interviews and that and more importantly that mate you, you you've got through that or you. You progress so far through that um that health scare uh can't wait for the Hanuman tour um and he's also out of there. I forgot to mention Vedic meditation with Nico Plowman, and I'd also probably say um landmark I know Jake did landmark um ooh, be last year, I think it was, and I know how much that's changed jake's life um and <clears throat> I've done landmark, and I do reference it quite a quite a bit you know in, in episodes and also. Funnily enough, or coincidentally, a lot of my, my guests have done it as well. There's probably a few guests that we didn't even touch on, so I may have actually done it. I just sort of got a hint, a whiff of Landmarkian speak, uh, which is which is great uh, along the way, but we didn't sort of go there. So that's um, that's great. And look, Jake, really appreciate you sharing that with me uh, and now all of the listeners. So if anyone else got any sort of wonderful um, feedback, oh, does would be wonderful, just some... You know, if you've been inspired and I think that you know, life changing kind of episodes, um, that our guests had, you know, some information, some inspiration they'd given you, would be lovely to hear from you. Um, that would be fantastic. Please, um, probably should interview Peter Challender. He's a lovely bloke. He's a he was um, he played a lot of rugby actually in his day. Couldn't quite tell from the from the video zoom we did there. Um, but quite a quite a large man. You know, tall and. And no doubt, um, I'm sure he was a a raging forward in rugby union back in his day, played club rugby in Sydney. Um, He also was um, international business um, exploits and adventures uh, (laughs) along the way before he settled back to Wagga, which is sort of essentially where he grew up in that area, back to his community, his people. um, Bought a farm and has been on his own regenerative journey over the last few years implementing quite a few different um, uh, practices, natural sequence farming, rotational grazing, he's fencing and putting water in and all sorts of things. So um, really, uh, you yeah, it's just another example of, I guess, the ap- application of principles. Um, he's west of Wagga. It's not particularly, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's not particularly, particularly challenging landscape, you know, but it's not sort of like, you know, southern highlands of New South Wales, it rains every other day. Um, having said that, they're probably you're doing, a bit might be a bit dry at the moment. But you know, just another example of how these principles can be applied in any environment you're in. That's the point I'm trying to make. Um, and he's and Peter's done that in Spades. Um, he's really enthusiastic. He's loving the fact we did dig into sort of why he's why he's there. You know, he probably could have done a lot of different things, and he's got he's, his you know his he's, um uh, his wife and and he's you know decided they've decided that that's their home and. Uh, and just lovely that you know the, he's been inspired enough to you know move on from i guess and change his career path and, and enjoying his life on a farm practicing regenerative agriculture and uh, and and doing a great job from what I understand now now a new member of the Holland beef team um lovely cattle and um and just to make a note that Peter often referred to uh in the interview um Madama, he actually meant to refer to Maloon Creek, which is where Peter Andrews uh, had done a lot of work in the Maloon Creek with his natural sequence farming. So just to be clear, Peter's actually referring to Maloon Creek in those instances. This was an amazing, lovely chat on the Zoom as uh, one of our, well, our last Highland Beef in-between episodes for The Regenerative Journey. Well, g'day. Welcome back uh, to The Regenerative Journey um, to our fourth uh, Highland Beef special in between episode. Um, and uh, I have to make sure I pronounce your name. I stumbled over it a couple of times, Peter. Peter Challender, um, it's not it? Chandler. It's yeah, that's it. So, um, welcome to uh, this special episode. Uh, welcome back to Murray Richardson. Um, thanks, Chan. Uh, uh, we've we've done the three and this is our fourth. Um, had a lot of fun too. I we were Murray and I were just chatting offline there, Peter. Um, reflecting on a couple of the things that have come up in previous ones, um, uh, little topics of this and that, and um, I've been really enjoying these very sort of frank and open conversations with um, some of the farmers, some of the people involved with Highland Beef. Um, So, Peter, welcome. Thank you. Um, Peter, you're, well, pretty new. You're as fresh as can be to the program, from what I understand. Do you want to just let us know, before we dig into that, you just want to um give us a bit of a, a brief background on you know where who you are and and why you're um you know how you got to sort of be um I guess involved with
0: Holland beef um to this point sure so uh I had a, a corporate background I've known Murray for for many years in fact I don't want to add it up um it's I just a while, it. too much but um uh did did the corporate including, you know, domestic and overseas and um, uh, at a point in time got way too cranky to be able to keep doing that. So finally went back to my first love, which was always um, farming. I didn't grow up um, on the land. Um, uh, my uh, mum my was from off the land out of Baganu Gate and um, as a toddler, and all the way through my teens, I used to go out there and look after that farm and um, uh, give my uncles and grandfather a break. And from there, I guess my love grew and my father uh, was extremely interested in the land as well, but didn't grow up on it. Um, they bought a property at Grenfell. Uh, we bought our first property, my wife and I, at Warinya, which is uh, at that time was population 11. Sort of in a uh, triangle between uh, Grenfell, um, uh, uh, Forbes, and West Wyalong uh, wheat belt. Uh, did traditional <clears throat> farming at that stage, but I was still doing the the corporate thing. Anyway, uh, had other properties. Had a property in uh, Yes, um, uh, predominantly sheep, a little bit of beef. Again, doing things fairly traditionally. Uh, And then finally, we bought out here uh, in Aura, near Wagga. Um, And this is where we've set up and and, uh, are doing our our regenerative work, I guess. Um, The interest came because um, we're never going to have a a particularly large plot of land. We've, We've got about 900 acres here. Uh, didn't make a lot of sense to keep going with things like the high-end pot costs of the synthetics, um, chemicals, fertiliser, etc. cetera. Started to sort of look around, do a lot more reading. Um, got on to uh, Gabe Brown's uh, books, Dirt to Soil, read that cover to cover. Absolutely loved it. It all just made sense. Um, uh, also read Peter Andrews um. Uh, book, then subsequently did Peter Andrews' course, um, pre- predominantly because I was very interested in the hydrology side of it, I guess, uh, as much as anything. Um, and uh, sort of the combination of those things and a chat with my wife, the opportunity came up to buy this property we're on now four years ago. Um uh, we 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 did that, but we did that at the time where um, uh, we bought it at the at the end of the last drought, um, and we needed basically to persuade each other that that this is what we wanted to do and we could do it, and how are we going to protect um, ourselves to some degree against those vagaries of uh, you know nature and climate change? So. Uh, really uh, through the start of that journey and, and principally uh, um, Gabe and Peter and, and their teachings and then, you know, many, many more people um, uh, in our research, we said, no, we, we will do it because we think we can do it in a regenerative way and um, uh, have a model that is sustainable despite all those challenges.
2: That's fantastic. So you um, you rattled off some you know some names there that are pretty embedded in the you know the the, the beginnings of regenerative agriculture as it currently is in Australia and overseas. Gabe Brown, um, Peter Andrews. Um, have you tried some uh, pasture cropping? Have you have you done a bit of or multi species? Yes, yeah. Gabe Brown yeah. style.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, not just Gabe too. I mean, there's so many other names. Um, I'm just trying to remember the fellow that Gabe um, often quotes out here, um, I think he's up around your way, Charlie, um, who does a lot of pasture oh, cropping. Oh, Cole,
2: Cole Sykes, Bruce Maynard.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, Cole yeah. Sykes. Um, anyway, yeah, no, we do. We uh, we do um, uh, pasture cropping. Uh, we do cover cropping. Um, we, uh, you know, we've been trying... We, this This block we've got here... Uh, has a, um, uh, about half of it, if you like, is an old floodplain. Um, It's traditionally grown, you know, a monoculture lucerne um, of one variety or of another over the last probably 30, 40 years. Um, Out of that, uh, when we got it, you know, very old stand, probably, you know, lucerne cover would be lucky to be 20 to 30%. But still sort of treated in that way. So in summer, it's basically loosen, a bit of whatever else can hang on there with it, and a very hard pan. Um so uh we we've been doing some um basically some pasture cropping and cover cropping work, but predominantly with well, a whole heap of um uh, mixtures that we got from uh through Vic Notell and um and Sims Grant Lance Sims and yeah. his wife uh, some great gear but um uh you know trying to overcome what we were seeing which was was not just the pan but you know pretty unproductive you know barley grasses and and um uh, those sort of things that that would fall away and then prove a problem come summer. Um, when we started our journey, we were making some mistakes. We put in those multi-species mixes and then I thought, no, look, what I need is something like a taproot, which is going to break up that ground. And so, um, you know, I'd put in mixes that had um, turnip and radish. Um, you'd get all excited when you saw them grow. Um, then you'd have a lovely big... Fat tuber showing itself on top of the soil. You'd you'd go to dig that out, and it'd be about uh, two inches long, and this stubby little um, yes. root system trying to do uh, something uh-huh. else. And I uh, thought, well, look, I'm not not getting there with that. You know, tried forage canola, a few other things, and then I sent a an email to Gabe. Um, who responded that he retired and he doesn't really sort of do that thing anymore? But um, how about we have a phone chat? Well, Zoom. I uh, couldn't believe it. Got him on board, and then he said, "Well, look, what you need to do is to run with more grasses, uh, get some finer roots going. They'll do the work for you. Um, they'll they'll challenge everything else that's there and and work it on on that principle for a couple of years um, till you start to see some results." Which which already we're seeing after a couple of years, we're seeing that pan. I could barely get the shovel in, yeah, an inch and a half um, out there. the uh, The other day, going down about five inches. Uh, start, you know, that 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 fine root zone is going all the way down with that. Um, starting to see some of the um, sort of properties you want to see in the soil. We're we're a long way off where we need to be, but you know, those things are happening.
2: Mm. Um that's fantastic. And you're that that's what what are you what do you got on there? You've got cattle. And we'll we'll get to sort of the Highland beef involvement there in a in a minute. Have you mm. got sheep as well? Or are you just keeping it simple with the one? Yeah, we have
0: we've, we've got um principally we've had uh sheep and cattle, Charlie, uh, the sheep, um fortunately for me, pre this latest sort of price drop, everything's in a bit of free fall. But uh, we actually got rid of pretty well all of our sheep um, uh, because I couldn't look after them whilst I was building uh, the homestead we're building out here at the moment. So cattle were a much easier proposition and I wanted to start to get into high-impact grazing. Um, So we're we're pretty well just the cattle at the moment, uh, but we want to – we want to uh, have that diversity of, of of animals as much as we want in plants, in due course. But that's the reason why we're principally cattle at the moment.
2: Murray, mm. jump in there if you've got a
3: question. Uh, no, no, I'm. Your <laughs> um, I, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying the journey. Um, Pete, one of the one of the things you talked to me about was, and, and I suppose you've just started to sort of touch on it, is trying to get. You know, you, you're obviously. You've had a a number of years that you're really starting to get a footing, and you're wanting to move towards a real diversity of income streams is one of the things we talked about. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, different animal species will give you that to some degree. Um, where, where else are you planning to go, or have you got other thoughts on that? I mean, you're in a in a in a Butte area down there. There's plenty of people about.
0: Yeah, it's it's um, well, we want to. Um, we want to centre the majority of those efforts on the farm. Uh-huh. So, um, with my newfound handiness post corporate, right. as in I can build things now, um, we're looking at um, uh, you know the potential, albeit we're, we're late to the party, but the potential of um, farm stays on the property to provide a cash flow, which takes some of the pressure off other areas of what we're trying to do in terms of the farm improvement Um, uh, so we'll be looking to to do that you know we're sort of in design phase um andy uh, has picked out you know several sites that will work well for us we deliberately bought this property with those sort of things in mind in actual fact properties we've had before such as at yes we tend to where we can we're lucky enough to to have bought only sort of 15 minutes out of town. Um, so in part, if you like, it's part of uh, a property play, mm. um, uh to give to give that that diversity and that opportunity for for that cash flow. Um, and then from the back of that, really all sorts of things could could, you know, potentially take off. We said to the kids, look, um, They're in the process of looking at uh, what they're doing, getting into their first homes, um, uh, trying to sort of get that nest egg going. Uh, We've said to them with the concept of a trust um, that they're more than welcome to do things here on the farm, um, including potentially uh, coming to some of those ventures with us. The Mm -hmm. land is free um, if that's something that that appeals to them. Yeah. And then on the, uh, on the farming side, well, you know, I'd, I, again, I'd like to uh, think that we can continue to try and um, dis- diversify, you know, income uh, from that side of it, whether it's um, beef, sheep, um, uh, goats, um, yeah. you know, miniature cattle. Um, It doesn't really matter. I I don't have any baggage. Um, I don't come from I wasn't born and raised on the land, which I think is a bit of a bonus. So whatever makes sense, but also makes sense, I guess, around the rules that we're trying to incorporate around the regenerative agricultural um, uh, journey and improving our soils and and getting that diversity and getting that hydrology going, all those things, as long as all works in together, then then we're open to, you know, to what we might do. Mm. And I guess I haven't answered one question that Charlie posed a little bit earlier, which is why then Highland Beef? Um, well, Highland Beef, um, when we got to Talking Murray at the night in Cootamundra, and I didn't realise um, uh, that that's, that's where you were at the time... I'd done a little bit of work um, with another company, Greenham, which would be, you know, well-known to you in terms of backgrounding some stock. Yeah, yeah. But but your model appeals to me highly because it releases cash flow for us to, uh, to look at these other ventures. You know, if I haven't got, you know, a couple of hundred thousand dollars uh, tied up in stock, uh, that I can put uh into other things to get them going sooner rather than later, then that's that's a great uh, that's a great way to do things. But also I need your stock to help me keep improving my country. Yeah, that's right. You, can't- you know, keep those cattle doing what they're doing, which is um, you know, fertilizing my my country, you know, pushing that um, that carbon into the ground, um, uh, you know, making my large-scale veggie patches work. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's 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 all very exciting watching it happen.
3: Um, Peter, are you uh, one of the things that, you know, when we first started chatting, you know, once we sort of caught up again, it sort of indicated that you were really surprised how quickly things changed or responded on the property mm-hmm. when you got going. And it just, it's sort of interesting in that, I mean, Charlie interviewed one of our farms a couple of weeks ago for the uh for the podcast series. And um he's been consistently one of our better sort of providers of cattle. This fellow, he's out at Upper Horton, and he's always just described himself to me as a natural farmer, and we have terrific conversations about what he's doing, and and he's just got this terrific way of relating to what's in front of him. Well, I think he has anyway. That's that's the way I sort of see what he says to me. And um I was really taken by the fact that you you could see things changing and it was it seemed to me faster than you anticipated. Is that is that sort of right? And and what do you think's what's been the main driver of it? Is it the hydrology? Is it the thing, you know, because you've you've talked a fair bit about that to me, which is and I've never I've never really picked up on the hydrology side of things, always sort of focused on the pasture mm. side, but you do need
0: them both. You do need them both, yeah. And that's that's something I guess when you're uh, when you start to go along with it, Joe, uh, the you need everything, yeah, just everything, but in in harmony, if you like, with with nature. You know, it's a pretty simple simple, simple formula. Mm. You know, would nature would nature do that? No. Okay. Well, I won't do that. um yeah. But the hydrology piece, what it's done for us, so we've got the floodplain sort of country, which is probably about and slopes general slopes be about half of the block the other half of the block is rises into reasonably steep production country if you like to use some older vernacular um the beauty of the hydrology part and and Pete andrews so i bought a bought a grizzly blade and you know uh, got out there and um with my, with my level and took did all my levels up high and worked on the process of picking where I would run my dead level contours up up and in the mountains and where I would dare to take the tractor. Uh, but the beauty of all of that is what it's what it's meaning is it, it's pretty it's pretty simple stuff. It's um, I'm keeping more water that rains on the property higher. Yeah. So it's about as simple as that rather than at all um, racing down. Of course, if you're following regenerative principles and you've got really good ground cover, that's going to be your number one way of doing it. But, but certainly what those contours did was, with what I inherited, helped to keep and really spread out any decent falls that we had. The idea, these contours aren't very high, you know, they and they're cut in a certain way. I won't, won't get all technical with you, but the beauty of them is, is they're about 300, 400 high. If you have a big Downfall. The idea is that they, you know, they fill up and they just it just spills over the top. Yeah. Um. You've got a second cut. Um. With your contours below, and you make sure you throw your 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 topsoil back over the top, so they disappear. Um. And when you get a lot of grass, you guys you've got to remember where they are. I found that out <laughs> a couple of times. But um, they they're not an eyesore. They just do this beautiful little job. The second cut below provides a, a positive pull for water that goes in underneath the contour and into the ground down below it. So really all it's doing is just making sure if you've got a decent downfall, um, that's a little bit more than maybe what you cover, your pasture cover can handle, um, then that'll slow it down, spread it right out across all of your country And then if you might have another contour below it, and I won't go into all of that, you know, how you pick it, but uh, there's ways that you do all of that if you, you know, if you follow the Andrews way. And so what that meant is also um, I put in lots of chains of ponds. Uh, So anywhere where I had a bit of an erosion concern, um, a gully, um, uh, whatever else, uh, I put chains of ponds, uh, dry hide, a 26-tonne excavator, um, got up there in the hills, and they've become watering points for stock. So if you if you've had a bit of a rainfall, they, they won't they won't be permanent. You're not you're not trying to stop water, just trying yeah. to slow it down. But if you've had a bit of a decent fall, then stock are up there and they're drinking out of that. They don't have to they don't have to go anywhere to yeah. get it. It actually helps when you're running your hot wires um, because. Generally, you're trying to do that back to a watering point. Um, if you can't take water everywhere, I've I've run pipelines and done all of that, but you can't do it up in that high country. Uh, it's fantastic. So you get that opportunity, okay, I can carve out whatever it might be, you know, eight hectares or something like that, and put in, you know, uh, 100 head of stock and get them to high-impact graze in that area and then move them down rather than them self-selecting. So that, that piece has been fantastic, and then the the grazing piece has been fantastic too. And back to your, to your question about, well, what was I starting to see? Well, well in the space of literally uh, 10 months, 12 months, um, I was getting um, uh, better growth rates, better coverage on the country, starting to see species that hadn't been around that farm for, and I'd asked around previous owners, I live next to a previous owner that owned it, why you know, family owned it, two times before me about sort of 60, 70 years ago, and we've got these little funny looking ancient varieties of phalaris, you know, with a with right. a, a really small sort of feathery head, but it is it is phalaris right. uh, that's popping up out of out of uh, you know out of nowhere red grass. Um right. on one particular hill as well, it's it's taken off in a lot of areas, but um, warrigo grass, I hadn't seen any of that. Um, all of these grasses that are, you know, that seed bed is there is just starting to, you know, starting to pop up and and do their thing. And ultimately that's where we're, we're trying to go um, with a lot of our country is uh, get those perennials that can, you know, yeah. uh, work hard for you in summer. Uh, as well going, and then augment that with some of the cover cropping and, you know, where we've got our lower country that can bear a little bit more, um, provide more diversity there. So it's that happened very, very quickly, and it was a combination of probably a main combination, I think, of the grazing, number one, uh, but also uh, that hydrology work, and, of course, um, to those four main principles that... Peter Andrews talks about, but one of them is, you know, keep your stock out of those areas that they shouldn't be in. Um, We've got a semi-permanent creek. In fact, it was a dry creek when we took over. It's rapidly become semi-permanent. That's happened really quickly. It's fabulous. Um, Frogs, birds, all sorts of insects, uh, everything, quail um, coming very quickly. But it was simply that the way the property was laid out, stock would come um, from the high country down through the creek, have to pass through the creek and either water there or to watering points the other side of the creek. And, of course, that doesn't work. It was just incising the creek more and more and more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, When storms came from... um, uh, up in the higher country, it would race through at a rate of not like an alarming rate of knots and keep, you know, gouging it out and um and prove a problem. So we've we've electric fenced that out in the cheapest way we could possible. It's about um, you know, it's not again, it's not a big problem. It's about three and a half kilometers. Yeah. Okay. Both sides. Uh I decided I couldn't do a permanent fence. I didn't have the dough. So that's like um uh star posts at 20 meters um uh you know two hot wires, a single earth and a barb yep. cheap and cheery does the job. yeah uh now all those creeks they're they're amazing. We've, we've been documenting the photos of of all of this as we've gone, but it's been quick, it's been quick and um uh fantastic. we're starting to get ponds. Uh, in the creek, natural ponds that are that are forming. Uh and you know, and again, that um natural um natural habitats start to reform again for, you know, all sorts of animals and um and we, we will still will crash graze that um yeah. on occasion, not right into the creek, but uh, you know, where it makes sense. Just to knock uh, it over. Yeah. 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 Just to knock it over and make sure that it's um uh, you know, gets gets that benefit, but we've got a lot of. Um, uh, I thought, oh well, you know, we have to plant a lot more trees. We had giant red gums just falling over into the creek. You know, their their roots all exposed, and um, just with that little bit of fencing and that 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 sort of common sense approach, we've got suckers. all over the place. I don't have to plant anything. They'll just do their own thing. Um, It's fabulous. I'm not worried about it. I'm not letting them go feral everywhere, but um, let nature take its course.
3: Yeah. Peter, was there one, like when you, I know you said, um, you and Andy sort of had a look at the place and sort of said, you know, are we up for this or, you know, is this what we want to do? But what was the, you know, and obviously you've got a big, Now you've got to sort of, You've been there for a couple of years now you've got to actually step out that plan what was what was that first big aha moment that said well we just gotta this is where we want to go or this is the way we want to do it obviously it's you know and and they will continue to have those I because you've got this ongoing you know development of the
0: farm but hmm.
3: and and yeah no, it's, it's, particularly
0: given where you'd come from you know yeah yeah that's right um uh comfort. Mm-hmm. big salary yeah. um <laughs> you know all those sort of things but but not happy um, yeah okay uh, so I'm I'm uh, happy as a pig in at the moment um so well really it was we're thinking about well where we might buy um and uh we, we've both been very um uh, I guess concerned about um, uh, climate change and and you know what the volatility of yeah. weather that that brings. Um, uh, and so we were we, I guess in my head, I was saying, well, look, I could go anywhere. You know, I said, Dan, look, let's be let's be chickens. Let's find the you know the biggest and best rainfall country and wherever that's where we'll go. But that didn't suit us from the viewpoint of family, uh, yeah. our friendship network and all those sort of things, which which is here around, you know, Arrawaga. You know, a lot of rugby uh, was played down this way, back to a conversation Charlie and I were having earlier. And, um, you know, we had, we had a good network here already and the kids weren't far away. Um, uh, so... Uh, we found this place, but then we had to say, "Well, can we? What if it becomes a dust bowl? You know, what? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we're going to have droughts, but are we going to have them more often? Or what if um, that creek looks a little bit of a problem at the moment? What if we get you know four inches overnight and that just you know rips the place Very right there the guts? You know, mm. that that sort of thing. So, um, so so we we're looking at ways to you know that that might Mitigate that, and might uh, mitigate our concern about uh, the risk potentially yeah. of jumping in here and um, and and um, making a you know a, a lot of mistakes and and um, you know licking our wounds later. And so early on uh, with that reading and and that um, those courses with natural sequence farming, you know, I was fascinated. You know, I went to Madama went over all those properties, look, look at all of that and how it was working. And you just you just have a look. Yeah. Um you have a look at the country around it, um, uh and the farms around it. And and you know that 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 sort of Braidwood, Mudamar, those sort of like reasonably safe historically, but can look pretty bloody rubbish in a hell of a hurry. Mm. Um, you know, when when things get a little bit more onerous. And and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we think we've got the foolproof plan that, you know, there's no drought that could never knock us over. Of course, that's that's you know not the case, or or flood or whatever else. But um, you know, you, you look at the work that Peter and Stuart and then others did around that area. Um try remember the other fellow's name, Charlie, help me again. Um Martin Martin Royds. Thank you, Martin. Yeah. Um and look at Martin's property and and um, and, and the Munamar Creek aggregation and, you know, your eyes don't lie. You know, you've got um, uh, a lot of diversity, you've got um, uh, trees that are growing and healthy. You know, we, we've even found, you know, with, with our creek going, you know, I, I mentioned some of the grasses, but, you know, we've got um, rush that's come up out of nowhere. In pockets in the creek helping us to you know filter it and slow it down, and uh, we've got this really high I call it a water cooch, probably wrong, um, but it's just gone ballistic um, and it's filtering all the water and helping to slow it down. And those sort of things were what we saw at Matamar. And then they were talking about rain cycles and looking at your own mini cycles, and, and I thought, oh, really, uh, you know, um, but but I think it's. I think it's true. You know, I think um, th- they were saying, I think in their recordings that they've got to the better part of hundred millimeters of additional um, dew yeah. precipitation over a period. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, well, of any sort And of- I think I think we're starting to see that here too. Because, and the reason I say it is not just like every farmer, every farmer I've ever met. Is a bloody terrible driver, and I thought I was a reasonable driver, and I've become the worst because so I'm going along the road. And, geez, look, you know, look, <laughs> at that, look, at that, look at that, and and um, you know, you look, you talk mm. to you talk to friends, you talk to other farmers, um, you know, tr- traditional farmers as well and the like. We we don't try and preach, you know, the way it should be or or what mm. we're doing, but if anyone's half interested more than happy to tell them and we're seeing those sort of things where we seem to be getting just a little bit more rain we seem to be getting that you know that that additional condensation my boots are wetter for longer as I go and move each of those hot wires um and yeah it 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 thing they they're, they're very simple things but they're very real things and they've happened and that change has happened I think really uh quite quickly isn't yeah. you know are, are we are we there yet hell no you know we've got yeah. a long way to go we there's so much we don't know you know we we are really babes in the woods
2: just um Peter and thank you for that um you're referencing a lot of I guess external factors that motivated you to buy the property and, and go go the way you've gone in terms of you know mitigating against climate change and and sort of more localized, you know, flooding or erosion, that sort of thing. So that what you've done is certainly satisfying those those urges. Were there any sort of internal motivations for doing it? Was it was it to sort of have a healthier way of life? Was it a social, or not something social, but was it, you know, like a chemical free or, or, a, or a less chemical kind of environment? Were, were there sort of more internal, personal reasons for wanting to pretty much, you know, heal that environment, the one that you were going to then live in?
0: Yeah, I, I guess, um, you know, a lot of it, Charlie, can sound really cliche, but um, uh, we want to leave this, you know, this land that we've been lucky enough to, to look after for this period of our lives, we want to leave it in the best possible state we can for whomever takes that over, whether we're lucky enough for our children to become vested enough in that or whoever it is. But we want to leave it in uh, in a better place, in better condition, far more resilient, far more sustainable. Um, that That really matters to us. Um, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, soil piece and soil health is fascinating. Uh, you know, the more I chip away there and do my little bit of reading, um, you know, when the top, you know, soil, uh, scientists and ecologists say they know less than a percent of what's really going on. I mean, that just blows me away, but how all that works and trying to get that working for us and in our favor. Is a real uh, personal, you know, motivation. Um, uh, you know, wanting to be successful, Charlie. I mean, successful. We're not doing this um, to not be profitable. You know, we're 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 doing this um, because I like my creature comforts. You know, I'd like to go to the next Rugby World Cup um, yeah. and all those and all those good things. And and uh, I firmly believe. Um, you know, we, we did the RCS courses and um, uh, and others and you do you you, you 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 it's not pure productivity, it's profitability. Uh, but I think you can have both. Um, we're a long way from both, but certainly starting more down a, a profitable line um uh, makes good sense and that's you know that's certainly a personal motivation as well. Uh, so it's a, yeah, it's a combination of um all of those things. You mentioned chemicals. My grandfather who introduced me to farming many years ago, he's um he's long gone, but um he had an aversion way back then and I remember the blues he used to have with my uncles and um you know, they won they won out the day and 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 I did the same things that they did, but you know, I don't like putting on masks and gloves and um, you know, trudging that stuff about doesn't mean I'll never use a, a, a chemical. No, um, might get shot for that. But if the bride doesn't want um, our five acre plot around the new homestead, um, you know, absolutely infested with, um, uh, you know, cathead and, and um, the like, then she wins the day. So, um, you know, I'll do that to start with and then. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, we'll go. And Gabe's Gabe says the same. He says, look, don't don't be an idiot. If you're starting to make this changeover and you're doing it, um, you know, use fertilizer, um, but you know, bring it down very rapidly to fifty percent, thirty percent, nothing. Um, uh, use chemical if you if you need an intervention, um, use it, but don't keep using it because you'll have a big problem if you do. Hmm. Very
2: interesting. Well, you've got a lot of, lot of, um, I guess, contributing factors that have led you to um, where you are now, and you wasted no time in implementing um, a lot of very, you know, very, I want standards, not the right word, I guess, foundational practices to crank up and start healing and, and you know, ultimately lead you to um, improve productivity and profitability. So that's. You wasted no time at all, that's that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I mean, I um I haven't done much, or we haven't done much in the space of you know added biology, um, and I think that's uh, yeah, that that's an area that that fascinates me, um, where and how to start. I mean, I know you Know suppliers and providers, and you know, you talk around with other. you talking about soil biology. And, sorry, you're talking
3: about soil biology, Pete.
0: You mean, yeah, yeah. but but you know, brews, teas, yeah, um, yeah,
3: yep.
0: well, you well, know, well. all that territory because I think that's um, that might help us speed up in some areas. Hmm. Um, that I'd like you know, I'd like to speed up in because Charlie was mentioning, you know, that, that we've sort of done a lot of the foundational stuff and got it um, in pretty quick. I think that's true but I think that's probably a missing part of what we're doing um a, and you know there's a big part of me too I, I I'd love to get a few tanks and an aerator and you know start to <laughs> muck around to do a bit of that uh myself um uh and and get into that but yeah it's it's, it's all. We've got a,
3: a fantastic farm in, if you, if you are interested in that, we've got a fantastic farm in Victoria that's doing some really interesting stuff in that space. Hmm. Oh, great.
0: No, well, I'd yeah. love to. That If you could give me um, yeah. an intro there, that would be fantastic. And, of course, you know, Grant Sims and the, the Vic no guys, you know, they're pretty advanced in a lot of that um, yeah, exactly. down that way. And, um, yeah, it's just, again, sort of one one foot in front of the other. It's um uh, you know, manage. I'm, I'm trying to manage uh, what we've got is enough country um, to keep us in trouble, but also keep us out of trouble. <laughs> and um, I think also we, you know, I, uh, someone asked me, I, oh, you know, because another block came up that we dearly would have loved to have bought, but uh, I said to Andy, look, I, I don't, I'm not, physically doing justice to what I've got Mm. so far. So how about we, you know, how about we do that Mm. and drive um, all these good things out of that and through that will come uh, our increased profitability and by default productivity. Um, And if we think we can look at each other in the eye and go, right, I think this place is humming, then maybe we could look at something else, but, you know, um, makes no sense to Peter. One of the things that just sort of occurred to me, knowing a little bit about our you know our
3: sort of shared history, you've managed some pretty complex businesses. Have you managed a complex a business as complex as this one before?
0: No, this is this is like golf. Um uh, golf is the most complex game I've ever played in my life. Um right. and I think you know, it's yeah, it's it's complex in terms of there's so much we don't know, yeah. You know, but it's simple in terms of there's such great simple things that we've been talking about uh, during this meeting that make such a start, such a difference that 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 isn't complex. It's it's the complexity is um uh stopping yourself from doing things, you know, maybe in a more traditional way, and just where do I start? How do I start? What do I do? Um we we were lucky because again, we didn't have the baggage. So we had the desire to go down there, down down that route. But but again, um where do you start? You know, and then um this this whole thing around you know, I remember the, the trickiest thing when I did natural sequence farming was um, they're not weeds, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure there are some pretty nasty buggers. No, <laughs> no, they're you know anyway, and, and that whole understanding plant yeah. succession, and when yeah. you start to see that, it's oh, it's just great. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I mean, I I've started to see some scotches around the place. So I'm absolutely bloody delighted. <laughs> you know, because because I'm I'm moving on from saffron, uh, you know, and some other, other bits and pieces. So, I mean, all those things. It's complex, absolutely, uh, but it's it's simple too. Um, yeah. And you've just got to let yourself go with the flow and and um, enjoy some wins. Hmm. Enjoy some wins. Give yourself a pat on the back and go. Well, you know, it wasn't so hard. Um, keep going with it um and again I'm not I'm not the guy we live in a particular Valley I remember um someone saying the other day that you know they're on a main road and you know they've got all sorts of nasties growing away and you know what do they think of me I don't worry about any of that um yeah. so I'm lucky oh,
2: very good yeah, see um a business can be um uh you know in the solar farming you're doing Peter can be, um, complex because nature is a is a you know a, a complex thing. It, it, it wants to move itself to complexity for lots of reasons, resilience and just being able to handle everything, weather and seasons and human intervention and all sorts of stuff. But it doesn't have to be complicated, and that's that's where the human yeah. humans come in and just like to complicate like, <laughs> uh, something that just wants to be complex. You know that's that's our that's our it seems to be our job as humans generally. But if we can break that paradigm and keep it simple. Um that's um that makes makes a huge difference. I'm just conscious of the time, Murray and Peter. Uh, um any any other uh, parting questions um Murray for, for Peter
3: before we no, uh, look,
2: let him get back to whatever he was chipping away at before we started?
3: No look no Peter just thanks for your time. I really appreciate that. I mean it's um you know we we're you know busily building a community along the eastern side of Australia and um you know sharing learning is a is a has proven to be a really great way of introducing people to what we're trying to do. So I no, really appreciate your time and your journey. And uh, um <clears throat> Tony Spear was down at the property last week, Charlie and he said it just it's a terrific space. Looks fantastic. So yeah, well done.
0: Thank you guys. And no, I really appreciate your time as well. Good idea. Just just on,
2: just on that, Murray, um before we go while Peter's on, um uh, Will um, well, Will Muburn we interviewed recently, he um, he mentioned that they had a bit of a, a gathering of of the Highland beef members mm. um, up north. That uh, you know, it might be time we had one down south, given that there's, there's a, quite a collection. Of yeah, them, like, you know, within a couple of
3: hours of each other. Yeah, no, that's a great suggestion, Charlie. In fact, we've we're trying to do more of them, but they uh, they are fantastic days because some um, you know, <laughs> it's amazing. What comes out of it? Just all these little gems, mm. and um, yeah. and I think you know increasingly, um, you know where local land services and other groups used to do more and more of that stuff. I mean, as government resources have taken stuff away from those things, you need other reasons to get people together. So yeah, know, we certainly will. That's a great idea. Yeah, we might um, we might get you to coordinate that some some stage down there. We'll have to see what's in your diary, Charlie.
2: Sure. No that'd be fun. I have always said the most you know best use of my time as a farmer or you know farmers I know is gathering you know in a paddock with a cup of tea, having a yarn and have some rough agenda and just share stories and look at things and you know get a shovel and it's just it's yeah. just they're the most beneficial um, uh, days so you yeah, all, all for all for that for sure let's do it. Good on
3: you. Well Peter, thank you so much. really appreciate that and um, we'll catch you soon. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thanks,
2: Charlie. See you. Bye-bye. Have time. And next week on The Regenerative Journey, my guest is Rachel Pomeroy. I caught up with Rachel at the uh, Biodynamics New Zealand Conference. Uh, It was in May this year, and I was asked by them to go over and and speak, which is a wonderful experience and and even more wonderful that I got to sit with Rachel, uh, who's a biodynamic legend, guru. Um, Her husband, Peter Proctor, Uh, was one of the, uh, certainly a pioneer in New Zealand and, and dare I say, in the world in farming and biodynamics and what a lovely sit-down I had with her at the conference in front of those attending with Rachel Pomeroy next week on The Regenerative Journey.
1: This podcast is produced by Rhys Jones at Jaeger Media. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe, share, rate and review. For more episode information, please head over to www.charliearnett.com.au.